Uh, did you all get my email on Thursday? Okay, and if you're not getting them, let us know because we want to make sure that you, you do get them. Uh, I talked a little bit about Scott Frost, and I also said that Faith Westwood is a team. You know, for eight years I've been the coach of this team, and I plan to be here a lot longer if I can. And, and my staff are a great group of assistant coaches, and you, you are the team. You go out and lay it on the line every day. You serve Jesus. You represent him wherever you go. My job and my staff's job is to, is to prepare you for that. It's to make you ready for that. It's to put you in a position where you can go out on the field every day and get a win in living for Christ. Now, if you are a guest here with us this morning, I'm so glad you came. But I want you to know, I, just, I need to talk to the church people for a little bit, okay? For a few minutes. Uh, as your coach, I am asking for your all-out commitment. I mean, I wouldn't feel right asking for anything less. This church, I, I have come to love. The, one thing about this church is that there are so many great people here who serve. And serve so, there was such great care and consistency. I'm amazed by all that you do. And I want to say, if you are not serving yet then I'm, I'm, I'm calling your number. I'm saying, hey, it's time to get off the bench and get on the field and get in the game. And there are a hundred ways you could do it. Uh, some of you love Jesus and you love serving, but you're still half-hearted when it comes to your giving. And as a result, it keeps your faith kind of weak. It, it also has a factor in weakening our church. So I'm asking you to get in the game with your giving. And when you, give, uh, when you get in the game with your giving, I believe you're going to experience some new satisfaction that wasn't there before. You're going to experience joy uh, of giving and moving toward that, that the Bible has that 10% mark it calls the tithe uh, of our income. And some of you, I know, give more than that. You give more than 10%, not because you feel any obligation, it's because you, you want to. You love God. You love this church. You love to see what happens with it. And yet, I also realize this, that, that sacrifice cannot be measured by a simple percentage. Sacrifice is about what you give up, not how much you give. Have you thought about that? Sacrifice is about how much you give up not how much you give. That means some uh, of you who give, you know, things are really tight with your income and all this. You may give less than 10%, but, it's a, but in terms of sacrifice, in terms of what you're giving up, it's huge. And in my book, that makes you a team captain. You're setting the pace for the rest of us in terms of sacrifice. Well, uh, in three weeks on November 11th, that's going to be our giving sign-up Sunday. And so uh, I'll be kind of talking about this a little bit uh, between now and then and emails and letters and stuff. But I just want to I just have one question. What will you give for the team? What will our team be like in the future? What will you give for the team? Well, I want to, uh, as I get into the message now, before we do, I want to I lead in a prayer that's one of my favorites. It's almost 800 years old, but I think it still speaks real fresh. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for all the benefits that you have won for us. 
and for all the pains and insults you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Well, how many of you remember uh, the little thing David Letterman used to do with a top ten list? Any of you remember that? Uh, anyway, today I'm going to be talking about weaknesses. And so I thought I would do a list, top ten dumb things I've done lately. It didn't take very long, really. Uh, so here we go. Number ten. I felt all my pockets looking for my keys before realizing they were in my other hand. Yeah. Number nine, I searched the house for my jacket before looking in the coat closet where I'd hung it up. That was just a couple days ago. Number eight, I drove to the church and showed up for a canceled meeting. I should have, I should have read that email. You know, number seven, I spaced off an appointment. I had set missing reminders on my phone and my watch. How could I do that? Number six, I overdrew a bank account by transferring out more money than it had. What was I thinking? Number five, I filled out the wrong form and sent it to the district office. Okay, I got a nice reply. Number four, I flew to Denver for a wedding and forgot clothes for the rehearsal. All right, number three, I filled a meter with quarters and then realized parking was free in the evenings. Have you ever done that? I, I spent two bucks that way. Number two, I did five more dumb things that didn't even make the list. And the number one dumb thing I've done lately, I showed up at gym and my shoes didn't match. By the way, that one wasn't as current as the others were within the last few weeks, but uh, it was still such a good one I had to include it. So, okay, so what I would like you to do is uh, cr quickly create groups of about four and see if each of one of you can come up with uh, one thing dumb that you've done lately, and uh, if, if you don't come up with anything, that's fine. That means you're either really smart or really forgetful, right? So just uh, try to get in groups of about four, share one apiece if you can, go. All right, how'd it go? It didn't seem like you were running out of things to talk about on this. Well, we are, we are in our series called Befriend. How God Makes Real Friendships Happen. And I just want to say today, if, if, if you uh, say, well, I'm not, I don't know if this is really right for me. Maybe you're not sure you're a follower of Jesus. Maybe you're not even believe in God. I, I want you to know that I really believe that today there's something for you here. Uh, something that you're going to be able to take sort of hands on and be a, a, a blessing in your life today. Uh, anyway, last Sunday we learned a little bit from uh, Cammie and Leah, so Cammie Schmitz and Leah Denoso, so I want to bring them back up again here as well. Um, they are really, really good friends, uh, but they weren't always that way, and if you were here last Sunday, they shared a little bit of, about that, so I thought maybe a good way to start would be just to kind of recap uh, well, kind of the basics of what you shared last week about kind of where all this happened and got started. And we won't go Jerry Springer on you. So. Not, yeah, not, not going to throw chairs no. or anything like that? Okay. <laughs> but I might throw my cup. Okay. 
Um, so last week we talked about, um, I was a poor college student a long time ago, and I needed a job. So this job came available, so I went and applied, and Leah happened to be the director of the daycare. So she hired me, and our relationship was very professional. Didn't see her a lot. I had Jalissa, came back from school, and she goes, oh, just kidding, we don't really need you now. So I was really angry because I didn't have a job anymore. So she, you kind of, you had the message, hey, we'll save your job, and then you come back in August and yeah, no job. then I was jobless. Yeah. So then I was a really okay. broke college student. And then a few years later, I come into church one Sunday, and here comes Leah. I wasn't exactly happy that Leah was coming to our church. Kind of the last person you really wanted to have come here. Very much so. Okay. <laughs> so, um, anyway, you, you know, you kind of see here, you, and you're remembering, oh, yeah, I think, I think that didn't end well, right? Right. And so... Um, how did you all kind of make those initial steps toward each other? I was kind of unlikely, too. Yeah. Um, well, I was working closely with Kathy Downing when I got here first, and, and she was good friends with Cammie, and so, you know, I through them. And, and also, we joined their small group. So, yeah, I know. <laughs> um, yeah, what, were, what was I thinking, right? Now, uh -huh. Anyway. And when we joined their small group, Jameson and Jalissa, were pretty much joined at the hip. They became really oh, good friends. And Travis okay. and Brian were working together um, on VBS. And so Leah and Brian trusted me to keep their daughter while they went out of the country for a cruise. I don't know what she was thinking, but we kept her alive. So <laughs> There you go. So anyway, you know what I find is that a lot of times with friendships, we, uh, we don't talk about the stuff that we need to talk about. We, it's easy, so easy to just kind of sweep it under the rug, right? And then one day, you all talked about what had happened years earlier. What, what, how did all that come about, and what, what, what happened? We were really good friends by then, because we were all in the hot tub one night, and, and just kind of joking around, I was, was like, well, you know, one of God's biggest miracles is this right here, because if you would have told me so many years ago that I'd be sitting in a hot tub with you guys, I, I would have laughed. Yeah. You know, that would have never seemed possible. And so I finally just, I wanted to understand what had happened. And so I just said, so what happened? I know you didn't like me. I, the feeling was kind of mutual. I know it was not, didn't end well. And so what, what really went down? Was that, was that hard to have that conversation? Um, it kind of was, but we had also gone through, like, some life-changing events at the same time. So uh -huh. we, like, reaching out to each other on that part, like, we built that trust so it wasn't as hard to have that conversation. Okay. And, you know, to, to go back and kind of do a clean sweep of that history, do you think it's yeah. had an impact on your friendship since then? I think so. I mean, we're still friends and we do everything <laughs> together. So <laughs> I think it did. Yeah. We're just, like, one big family now and and it was it was a relief for me right to get it out there in the open so that I could have an under better understanding of what really happened and um, make peace with everything yeah. so well Cammie and Leah I want to thank you both for kind of bearing your soul a little bit about all this yeah. and uh, maybe we'll hear some more later 
Maybe. Yeah. All right, thanks. <laughs> if you're lucky. <laughs> Thank you. Okay. Uh, you know, one thing I get from Cami and Leah's story is that when they had that, that conversation in the hot tub, you know, that, that that was an important step. Maybe it wasn't everything in their friendship, but it was something like, okay, we, we, need, to, we need to go through this. We need to kind of talk through this. And uh, so anyway, I have, a, I have a, a big idea for today, and I thought maybe just kind of lay it out from the beginning. So here it is. Bear your soul about your weaknesses, and it will become super glue for your friendships. What do you think about that? Let's say it together, shall we? Bear your soul about your weaknesses, and it will become super glue for your friendships. You know, Jesus wasn't afraid to bear his soul. Have you thought about that? The night before he, he went to the cross, he, he was, uh, you know, at this... Uh, garden park kind of thing, you know, with, with his, where they're camping out with a bunch of his friends. And a few of them, he said, he wanted really close by. And he said, my soul is overwhelmed to the point of death. Stay here and keep watch with me. Or paraphrase, he's saying, you know, I feel so sad. I feel like I'm going to die. Will you guys stay close? Will you just stick beside me right now? Jesus was, was free to open up about feeling weak. The Apostle Paul knew uh, how to bear his soul. Uh, you know, he was the first one to bring the news about Jesus to the city of Corinth in, uh, in Greece. And before long, there was an enthusiastic bunch of believers there, but there were also problems in that church. And one of those problems was that some traveling preachers had shown up uh, saying that they were way better than Paul, and they claimed to be super apostles, kind of. And uh, that Paul, he was nothing more than a weakling apostle. They're like, look at Paul. I mean, he has no flair for public speaking. He lacks personality. Don't listen to him. He's a pooped out apostle. Where are your apostles now? So Paul gets word of all this stuff that's going on. And um, he, he, he uh, writes his friends a letter there in Corinth. And in this letter, he's sort of in this awkward position of having to defend himself, which he really doesn't want to do, but, but it's like they forced him to it. They forced him to brag. And then he does this amazing thing. And I want you to open your Bibles with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And we're going to start with verse 9. And on the Pew Bibles on page 1165. And in this chapter, Paul bears his soul. Not only is he weak... He's way weaker than the uh, so-called super apostles have even made it out. And he tells the sisters and brothers in Corinth that he's been afflicted with what he calls a thorn in the flesh. Now, we don't know what, I don't know what that was. I don't think anybody really knows. Whatever it was, he hates it. Could be a physical ailment of some kind. It could have been something else. But at one point, he calls it a messenger of Satan. And so three times he does some serious praying about it, pleading with the Lord to, to take this thorn away. And then one day, while he's praying, Jesus gives him a message. Now, I don't know whether he, hear, he heard a voice or it was just sort of a, an inner impression, but Jesus says to him, here it is in verse 9, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is is made perfect in weakness. 
Whoa. It's like Jesus is saying, don't be ashamed of your weakness, Paul, because that's when my strength in you is strongest. So instead of trying to prove that he's way better than the super apostles, Paul just, he just bears his soul. Going on in verse 9, he says, Therefore I will boast all the more gladly about my, what? About my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. Paul's saying, I'm not going to try to prove how strong I am. I'm not going to try to convince you that I'm uh, smarter and more talented and and a better orator than, than the super apostles, the other guys. All I have to offer is my weakness. And at the end of verse 10, look at that with me, will you? He adds this, for when I am weak, then I am strong. Isn't that a great paradox? For when I am weak, then I am strong. Bear your soul about your weaknesses, and it will become super glue for your friendships. This past week, uh, one of my ministry directors, we were having a conversation, and and uh, I, I brought up an item, and she said, oh, I'm so glad you said something. I hadn't even thought about that. And I got to tell you, from my viewpoint, I thought that was awesome. Not because, you know, I'm, I'm the mighty supervisor or boss or something that, that pointed out. It's because she wasn't afraid to admit that weakness. And sometimes that's not easy to do with your supervisor. Uh, it would have been so tempting just to say, no, no, no problem, I got it covered. But when she said, oh, I hadn't even thought about that, to me it was a sign that we are working together as a team. It's a sign of trust. It's a sign of authenticity. We don't have to pretend to be stronger than we are. It's okay to be weak. And, you know, it's the same with our relationship with God. And, and some of the songs that we sang here really spoke to that this morning. Uh, Psalm 31, 9 in the Bible says, it's a prayer, Be merciful to me, Lord, for I am in distress. My eyes grow weak with sorrow, my soul and body with grief. Another place the psalmist says, I am poor and needy. Bear your soul about your weaknesses, and it will become super glue for your friendships, even with God. You know, I still remember in, in Sunday school, in the basement of the little Cedar Hill Church, I was probably five years old, and I remember sitting in a chair, and I still have a little bit of a picture of this memory in my head, of, of sitting in the chair, and the piano's up there, and we have a little, someone leading the Sunday school songs, And we're singing, Jesus loves me. Remember that one line? Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. So, Christians, I want you to hear this. Weakness is your secret weapon. Have you thought about it like that? Weakness is your secret weapon. At some point in your life, you're going to deal with something that's really hard. Maybe it's emotionally uh, hard or physically demanding. And you're going to wonder, oh, do I have the strength to get through this? And if you ask me, I'll say, you know, it's okay if you don't have the strength 
Because it's your weakness that allows the Lord's grace and strength to work through you. Weakness is your secret weapon. You know, earlier in that same letter, 2 Corinthians, that Paul wrote to them, uh, he talks again about the value of weakness. And he, he says, you know, this good news about Jesus and the message and, and his life in us, that's like, that's like treasure. That's just, it's like, and I, as I picture treasure, maybe in the ancient times, I think of maybe a collection of very, very high-priced pearls. And, and we, on the other hand, are like ordinary earthenware jars. Uh, we're kind of drab looking, our lids don't fit well, and we crack easily. And in, and in chapter 4, verse 7, he says, we have this treasure, this, this treasure in jars of clay to show, and say the rest with me, will you, that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. Weakness is our secret weapon. After Paul wrote this letter, he traveled uh, back to Corinth. He spent uh, three more months there, and I believe that that the bearing of his soul that he began in that letter um, was the beginning of reconciling those relationships. Bear your soul about your weaknesses, and it will become super glue for your friendships. And I want you to know that I believe that Faith Westwood is a safe place to bear your soul. I believe that there are people here that you will find who are safe to talk to. And you can be honest about, we can be honest about our weaknesses and our sins and our faults and our failures. On, on Friday, I meet with my group, uh, my faith group at noon every week. And uh, this last Friday, um, one of them said something, and, and he and the whole group gave me permission to, to share it here this morning. Um, he, we, we just kind of gotten there, and, and uh, the group got settled, and, and he turned to me and he said, Steve, last Sunday, you said that the more we let ourselves be loved, the freer we are to love others. He said, but how, how do I let myself be loved when I feel I don't deserve it? How do I let myself be loved when I feel I don't deserve it? Wow. What a question. What, what a vulnerable question. Uh, and, and there was so much admitting of, of personal weakness by asking it. I, and I want you to know, I mean, I didn't sit there and say, oh, here's the answer. I don't have an instant answer that's going to flip a switch for somebody about that. But I do have an aspiration. And here it is. I want to be loved because of how much I need it not because of how much I deserve it. That's my aspiration. I want to be loved because of how much I need it, not because of how much I deserve it. To only accept love I deserve is to say that only the strong can receive love. Right? 
To only accept love I deserve is to say that only the strong can receive love. To accept love because I need it says that even the weak can receive love. For when we are weak, then we are strong. Let's pray. Oh, Lord God, uh, we have a hard time with this. We always want to kind of make ourselves look better than we are and, and hide our faults and mistakes and the things we've messed up and, and always look strong. And, Lord, it's, it's so hard to keep that up. And, and yet it's kind of become a, it becomes a habit for us. And so, Lord, we ask that you'll give us the, the courage to be weak, to, uh, to bear our souls, to find good, safe people that uh, we can do this with and, and become more of our, ourselves with. And Jesus, we want to be honest with you too. We want to be honest with, about how weak we are, how badly we need you each and every day. That we don't have the strength to, to do all the things that it means to follow you and, and to represent you in this world. We're, we're too weak for that, so we need you, Lord. We are weak, but you are strong. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Let's stand.
And so we got a week ahead of us. And uh, if you're like me, there are a lot of times it's sort of